Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And then he explains the hurt and the anxiety of a father whose son is lost to the world of pleasures. We would be brought into the understanding of the hurt and the anxiety when the lost died themselves in the world of pleasures. So he explains the joy when the son returns home so we'd understand God's joy. Again, Luke 15, 24, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, this my son, not thus on my son. And they began to be married. So why did the Lord Jesus Christ tell all these parables about this anxiety and pain and loss over loss and the relief and the joy over recovering the lost in Luke 15. Why do you do that? Because he wants a friend relationship. He wants a friend relationship, not a servant relationship. So he says in John 15, 15, and henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. I've called you friends. He wants us to obey his command to go out and seek the lost because we feel the pain and anxiety that he feels over the lost. So he takes time to explain to us the pain and anxiety that he feels over the lost through these parables. That's the reason why Jacob says to Joseph in verse 13, do not die, brethren, feed the flock in Shechem. And when Jacob said to Joseph, we can hear Jacob just saying to Joseph, your brothers are in Shechem. Oh, no. (laughs) That's where they brought this greatest hurt to me from the treachery and the murder of all the people in Shechem. I'm anxious for them. That's the reason why I'm sending you to them. He explains that Jacob says to Joseph, come and I'll send thee unto them. See, Jacob says in verse 13 there, come and I'll send thee unto them. See, that's very interesting. You know, why would you say come? You'd say go. He says come. He says in that word come, we see that Jacob was not just wanting Joseph to go, just get the job done, bring me back a report. But in that, that very special word come, we're seeing how Jacob wanted Joseph to have Jacob's heart in this work. And God has called every believer to the work of evangelism, to the work of recovery. The recovery work, recovery of the lost. He says in Mark 16, 14, afterward he appeared unto the 11 as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, hard, because they believed not them, they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Right away, he goes on, after upbraiding them for their hard-heartedness, he says, he said unto them, go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, 
but he that believeth not shall be damned. See, when it comes to every believer doing the work of evangelism, there's two problems. There's two problems. The first problem is when a believer says, no, it just says, no, I'm not going to do the work of evangelism. Are you kidding? Go out there and make a fool out of myself, get turned out. Reject. I, don't, I, don't, I don't do rejection. You know? I don't do well with rejection. You do the work of evangelism, you got to do well with rejection. you got to handle it. Right? The work of evangelism. You do sales, you got to do good with rejection. That's what sales is. Lots of rejection. You get up, you say, okay, there'll be an opportunity to the next person. That's a, a great salesman we got, Gerardo. He's great with this. You can reject and reject and reject on him. He smiles and says, okay, maybe tomorrow. (laughs) That's the work of evangelism. And the first problem is where the person who says, I don't care if the Lord has called me to do the work of evangelism. I don't want to do it. I won't do it. That's the first problem. Now, he might not be so open about his refusal to do the work. It may be more passive. But at the end, if he doesn't do it, he say no to the Lord's call to evangelism either way. And it's significant, as we're saying here, that the Lord was upbraiding his disciples for their unbelief and hardness of heart and then renews his command to evangelize. So the first problem is the refusal to obey the command to evangelize. Now, the second problem is to do the work of evangelism without the heart of evangelism. See, the problem is to just to go through the mechanics of it. You know, to present the gospel of the lost and without really having a heart for the lost. You know, just to say, okay, one, two, three, you're ready? Okay, next. See? The heart for the lost is a heart of anxiety. It's a heart of pain over the plight of the lost. And again, it's significant that right after giving his command to evangelize, you know, the Lord says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved but he that believeth not shall be damned. And he wants you to feel that. He wants you to feel the, oh, great joy, recovery, and the saved part, and the, oh, no, terrible anxiety, pain in the damned part. And the reason that the, that the Lord said for the lost to have said this is he wanted to say, look, you, I want you to see what's on the line here. What's on the line here? What's on the line is being saved or being damned. And, and so I want you, if you get that, and you really let that absorb into you, then you're going to have a heart of an evangelist. See, Mark 16, 15, the Lord gave us the what of the work of evangelism with go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the work of evangelism. That's the what of the work, go and preach. But then the next verse, Mark 16, 16, the Lord gives us the why of the work of evangelism. He that believeth and baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. That's the why. That's the why of the work. That's the heart of the work. The heart of the evangelist is a heart that is broken for the lostness of the lost. It's a painful heart for the doom of the lost. It's an anxious heart for what's on the line, what could be, and what is unnecessary to happen for the loss. But it's mainly, it's also an anxious heart, which is the anxious heart of the father. It's for the loss of the father's going to have as the one who lost them. He's the one who lost them. That's what we see in verse 13 when Jacob says to Joseph, come, come to me, in other words, come, and then I'll send you to them. So when we look at verse 13 and 14, there are three important words that Jacob says to Joseph, and they're like three steps. 
They're like three steps. The first in verse 13, Jacob says to Joseph the word come. This is the coming step where Joseph would come to Jacob so Joseph would have the heart of Jacob and know why he is going. Come is only said to a friend. It's not said to a servant. So you don't need this. You got a servant relationship. You don't need the person to come. Just go do the job. I don't care how you feel about it. Just get it done. But when you have a friend, you say, come. Come to me. Let me get close to you. And second, in verse 13, Jacob says to Joseph, send. That's the sending step where Joseph would receive the personal commission from Jacob that he's being sent by Jacob. And third, in verse 14, Jacob says to Joseph, go. That's the going step. That's Joseph who's making the decision to go to obey, and he's putting in action this commission. Those are the three distinct steps. Come, come, where Joseph got the heart of Jacob for why he should go. Send, where Joseph gets the personal commission from Jacob to go. Go, where Jacob actually moves. And he goes out with the motivation of the heart of Jacob and obedience to the sending command of Jacob. Come, send, go. Well, we got this exact same application in evangelism. We must come to the Lord in evangelism to feel his heart of pain and anxiety. We must be sent by the Lord to a specific person or people, and we must actually go then. That's our part. If we skip the first step of coming first to the Lord for, to get his heart, and we know that we're sent to a person or a people and we go, we're heartless, we're cold, we're indifferent to what happens to the lost. We may become Calvinists. You know, say, well, you don't like that. No, I don't like that. Can't, impossible. You know? But if we come to the Lord and get his heart for the lost and then skip going to the lost, we're just loyal. We're disobedient to the Lord. It was very important for Joseph to come when Jacob had said come. And we see this all played out in Romans 8 and 9. Romans 8 and 9. When you look at Romans 8 and 9 together and fuse them together, nobody ever does that. They always say, oh, no, no, we're at 9. Okay, new chapter breaks. We forget about what's before. Here we go. But that's not, you know, we're tempted to do that. We're tempted to look at Romans 9 in isolation and say, okay, with Romans 9, Paul's starting the new subject of the Jewish people, and he starts off in Romans 9, 1, and he says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish myself were cursed from Christ, for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites. So first of all, when you come to chapter 9, we've got to realize when he wrote this, there were no chapter divisions, okay? There were no chapter divisions in the original Greek here when Paul wrote Romans. It was one complete, just write it, and you just read it just straight on through. The chapter divisions are relatively recent. In chapter, so that means we have to really focus on what's in chapter 8 and what's in chapter 9 and how those two are related. See, chapter 8, Paul gets the closest ever to the heart of God. In all the book of Romans, he speaks about the spirit of God. Spirit is 14 times something like that. More than any other chapter. It's the spirit of God dwelling in us in Romans 8, 11. The spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Jesus from the dead shall also quicken your mortal spirits by his spirit that dwelleth in you. And, and then he finishes Romans 8 with the impossibility 
of being separated from the love of God. Romans 8, 39, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Romans 8 represents the come step that we came, we have to come to before the send, before the go steps, you know, and again, back to Genesis 37, verses 13 to 14. And so after we come to the come step of Romans 8, where Paul has got the heart of God, then he emerges into the Romans 9, 10, 11. Romans 8, Paul has come to God, fresh off the heart of God. Paul writes, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bear me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness, continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish myself were cursed from Christ, from my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. So now we see Joseph's response. So this is the, now we see Joseph's response to Jacob's desire to send him to his brothers in verse 13. Jacob said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock of Shechem? Come, and I will send them unto thee. And he said to him, Here am I. Joseph's response is very revealing. It's very important. Joseph didn't just say to Jacob, Okay, I'll go. He didn't just say, Yes, sir. But he answered by saying a very meaningful word, which was loaded with meaning, and he knew it, when he said, Here am I. The Hebrew word that Joseph used here is the word hineni. Hineni. Now, question is, what does hineni mean? Okay, I could tell you, well, Strong says this, but the best way to see what hineni means is to see how it was used in Scripture. And we've seen it before in Genesis 22 when God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son. And it says in Genesis 22, 1 through 2, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, Hineni, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I have told thee of. So God calls Abraham in verse one of Genesis 22, and Abraham responds to the word Hineni. And from what Abraham said, from what Abraham did, after he said Hineni, we learn what Hineni means. Abraham answers God with Hineni, And then Abraham shows a total submission to God by moving forward without any hesitation to offer his only son, Isaac, that he loved. Abraham answers God with hineni, and Abraham holds back nothing from God as he moves to give his his son, Isaac. Now, Abraham answers God with hineni, and Abraham presents his whole being and his whole service to God by moving forward to offer Isaac. See, when, when Abraham answered with Hineni, what God, what, what he was saying to God was, Hineni means something special. He said, Hineni, I present myself to you, Lord. You know, Hineni, here are my feet. Here are my feet. You take my feet, you go, you use my feet, have me go where you want to go. Hineni, Hineni, my heart, Lord. Here's my heart. Uh, I, my heart to feel what you want me to feel. Hineni, my hands, Lord. Here's my hands to do what you want me to do. He needed my head, Lord. Here's my head to think what to, about and about what you want me to think about. He needed my ears, Lord. Here's my ears to hear what you want me to hear. He needed my eyes, Lord. Here's my eyes to see what you want me to see. He needed my mouth, Lord. Here's my mouth. Speak what you want me to say. It's a very powerful expression, he needed, and it means a hundred percent yielded submission. He needed is not an act. He needed is an attitude. It's a life position. So with the Hineni attitude, Abraham moves to sacrifice Isaac. 
And just before Abraham is ready to plunge the knife into Isaac, he's got it over him, and the angel of the Lord calls to him in uh, Genesis 22, 11, it says, the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Hineni. He said, here am I. So here again, Abraham resolved. Here he is, he's on the path, he's resolved. I'm gonna kill my son, I'm gonna sacrifice my son. He's not thinking about his son at the moment that he's about to sacrifice. He's not depressed, Abraham is not depressed with the thought of walking off that mountain without his son. Abraham is not panicked attack. He doesn't have like tightness in his chest with the terror of seeing his son die. And this is all true because Abraham in the midst of this crisis has his eyes on God and God alone. He's so, Abraham is so fixated on God that even at the point where the knife is raised above his son Isaac and Abraham can still hear God as God calls him Abraham and he responds in the same way, Hineni. I'm just as much Hineni now with my knife over my son as I was before you told me what I had to do. And with that word, Hineni, Abraham says to God that I've still got this attitude. I got the attitude of Hineni. I mean, his son Isaac's bound on the altar before him, the fire ready to burn him up. His knife is over him, ready to thrust it into him. I mean, if you don't get disturbed by that, something's wrong. And Abraham still responds with Hineni. So with that response, Hineni, Abraham says to God, Still, 100% submitted to you. When you call me to sacrifice Isaac, he nanny. Knife over my son Isaac to thrust it in, he nanny. And because of that word, he nanny, it is associated with Abraham. It means, he nanny means, like Abraham, 100% sold out to God. And Abraham was ready to say, he nanny, here am I. Because Abraham said, he nanny, he's my father. Because Abraham said, Hineni, he's your father. Because it says in Galatians 3.29, if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed. Abraham said, Hineni, here am I. He's our father, because he said that. You're a Christian. You're Abraham's seed. You say, Hineni. Abraham said, Hineni. Abraham's your father. Therefore, you say, Hineni. You're a Christian. You're Abraham's seed. You've been a citizen of every country in the world, but because you say Hineni, you're only a citizen of heaven. You're a Christian. You've been a part of every people in the world, but because you say Hineni, you're exclusively a part of the people of God. In every generation, followers of Jehovah Jesus have followed Abraham and have said Hineni, here am I. Isaac did, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Jeremiah, all the great prophets of Israel have said Hineni, here am I, especially Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, 8, where we read, and also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Hineni, here am I, send me. But in our days, the cry of Hineni has become muted, it's become silenced, come muffled, as Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. When you're a lover of your own self, you don't say Hineni. But followers of Abraham have always said Hineni. And Joseph knew about how great his, his I shouldn't, how great his great-grandfather was. How, 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 he knew about his great-grandfather Abraham and how his, his great-grandfather Abraham said Hineni, here am I. So when Jacob calls Joseph in verse 13, Joseph thinks 
back on uh, about the time when God called him in uh, Genesis 22. And Joseph follows Abraham and says, he nanny. He's not going to say he nanny. No, but Joseph does. The other kids, the other boys, we don't hear them saying he nanny, but Joseph does. And in essence, Joseph was saying to Jacob, I'm following my great-grandfather Abraham, and I say he nanny. And the greatest crier of he nanny was the Lord Jesus Christ. When God the Father spoke of his love for the world and it needed a sacrifice to die for the sins of man, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Hineni, here am I. He's the great, and the great Hineni passages for the Lord are Psalm 40, verse 7. Then said I, lo, that's the word Hineni, lo, I come in the volume of the book, it's written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. See, that was when the Lord Jesus Christ heard the Father ask, will you go? Will you go? And he says, Hine, which is translated, lo, I come. John 3, 16, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That verse is saying that there was a time when God turned to him and turned to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, you know what? I love the world. I want to give you so that whoever believes into you should not perish, but have everlasting life. Are you willing? And the Lord Jesus Christ responds with, Hineni, here am I. In Philippians 2, 5, where it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the likeness of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So when God the Father turns to the Lord Jesus Christ and says, will you be ready to make yourself of no reputation? Will you actually take upon you the form of a servant and be made in the likeness of man? Will you truly humble yourself and become obedient to death, even the death of the cross? The Lord Jesus Christ responds with one word, he named me, here am I. And the Lord Jesus Christ went through his own personal crisis, his own personal he named me crisis in the Garden of Gethsemane. When we read in Matthew 38, then saith he unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. He says, and then he says, and he went a little further, fell on his face, prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. See, he saw the awful cup. He saw the awful cup is being given to him to drink, the cup of the judgment of God for all the sins of the world. And he rises over his own will, and he triumphs with this cry of, give me the cup, I'll take the cup, he nanny. Okay? But it was not only to God, it was not only to God the Father that the Lord Jesus Christ says, he nanny. He says it also to man. In Isaiah 65.1, Isaiah 65.1, he said, I am sought of them that ask not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, behold me, he nanny. That's what he said. Behold me, he nanny. said it twice unto a nation that was not called by my name. I spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people. So to the Gentile nations, to the non-Jewish people, the Lord Jesus Christ cries out, Hineni, here am I. The Gentile people who are called the ends of the earth, where he also says to them in Isaiah 45, 22, look unto me, saying, Hineni, he says, look me, look unto me and be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth, for I am God and there's none else.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13 and a half point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page history of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org.